This year is your year, even if you also said that in 2022. And however you want to make a splash, Mother Nature can help you every step of the way with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Wool Runner Mizzles are shoes made from premium, supernatural, weather-repellent materials. So you can jump into this year with both feet, rain or shine. The high-top uppers are made from temperature-regulating, moisture-wicking merino wool treated with durable puddle guard technology to keep you dry and comfy. And you can take confident strides with supernatural rubber treads that grip for all-conditioned traction and sugarcane-based sweet foam midsoles that put a little bounce in each step. Allbirds is constantly innovating to increase the performance and longevity of their earth-friendly materials. So even on your toughest outings, you'll wear out before your shoes do. This year, make a splash without worrying about getting your feet wet with Wool Runner Mizzles from Allbirds. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com. Some folks don't stop searching till they find the truth. And if you've got the eye of a detective, June's Journey is the game for you. Play as June Parker in a gripping murder mystery adventure as you find hidden objects to help solve her sister's death. You'll hunt for clues in hundreds of beautifully illustrated scenes set in the Roaring Twenties. With more than a thousand scenes filled with clues, there's always something new to discover. You may even trek across the globe for your next lead. Every week, new chapters are added with new characters to meet and places to search. Plus, there are tons of fun, unique features to keep you entertained. From building your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings, to collecting scraps of information on each character to fill your photo album. You can even play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today, available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as on PC through Facebook games. Welcome to the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. If you love prospects, you came to the right place, as that's what this show is all about, covering all levels of the miners to help give you an advantage in your dynasty leagues. Now... Here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 16 of the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and we have another great episode today with two more phenomenal guests. But first, let's bring in a man that just survived a massive snowstorm of a half an inch of snow in South Carolina from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, how you doing? You doing okay? Did you, you survive all that? We survived. I don't think the, the shelves at the grocery store did of all the bread and the milk that everybody went out to get because they were scared to death. You know, if there's just a chance of snow in South Carolina, people just kind of freak out and lose their mind a little bit. It was actually a nice surprise. I didn't even call for it, though. And we, I heard last, we were expecting rain, and then I heard it hitting the window. And we look out, we actually had snow. And uh, I got made fun of by all the Northerners out on Twitter. <laughs> like, all the all the fancy baseball community was making fun of me because I was like, this is nice. Like, we actually had a little bit of snow, and you know, everybody just laughed. But it's all good. We survived. It already melted. It's all gone. It was fun. Yeah, it's, it's already melted. Meanwhile, I look out my window, and I got about three feet of snow on the ground, and it's snowing again now, and it's going to snow like six of the next eight days. So, but that, you know, that's the that's the life living up here in the Northeast or just in the northern part of the country in general. But now let's bring on our two guests in one corner with our two dogs, Soto and Arcelo, 
She's a writer at Prospects 365, Rotographs, Pitcherless, and Over the Monster, an editor at The Dynasty Guru, and can also be heard on The Dynasty's Child podcast. Shelly Verstraight joins us. Shelly, how are you? Um, I'm doing great, you guys. Um, yeah, I live in Virginia, and we got about like an inch of snow. Um, but I really like, really want to know, like, what do all these people do with this milk and bread that they always buy when it snows? <laughs> like, a great what, question. It, what, what, what do they do with it? I don't, uh, I don't, like, I don't get it. It's like, they think they're going to run out of toast or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know why people always stock up and pe people will do that up here when we're supposed to get like the, the massive two foot storms. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get why I'm like, I have, you know, two, I have a jug of milk for myself drink milk for the, my kids and then a loaf of bread. I don't know why we need so much of that, but it, it's crazy. The people freak out during snowstorms, especially down in your, you and Chris's neck of the woods. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but now we, we bring on a man that does not have to deal with a lot of snowstorms where he is out in the southwest part of the country. You can find him on the In This League podcast, including his Prospects One podcast. And he's also one third of the Fantasy Black Book pod. Chris Welsh joins us. Chris, what's up, man? What's up, guys? Yeah, if it's snowing in Arizona, it's an apocalypse. So that's <laughs> there's no whatsoever. People are running for the hills, and I have to assume the same people that got that get all the bread and the milk are the same people that got all the toilet paper and the hand sanitizer. <laughs> it's it's about the, it's the same community, guys. So I think yep. we can figure out who they are. But, uh, glad to be here. Yep, yep, definitely. I remember I remember that whole ordeal and. It, luckily there's you know we're full fully stocked with toilet paper for now but we'll see that might i'm not sure we'll have another tp episode again like we did back in march and april toilet and paper and milk the american way guys that's, that's funny american way. That, that that first when that first covid really ramped up people were buying out toilet paper i actually bought toilet paper at a local hardware store believe it or not because that was the only place that had it it was like just a little what single you know single ply one serving rolls there not like any six packs or anything like that um, yeah, I bought it at a hardware store, which is very weird. I wasn't expecting it there, but um, so be it. Well, let's get into our show here. We've got a really great episode for everyone today. But first, you can find us all on Twitter. Shelly is at ShellyV underscore 643. Chris Welsh is at Is It The Welsh. Chris Clegg, we have a couple of Chris's here on the show today. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews mean a lot. And be sure to go check out the draft kit over on FantraxHQ.com. Got a ton of great stuff coming out every day. Got like probably pushing 200 pieces in that draft kit now. So go check that out. And check out the other great podcasts we have on the Fantrax Podcast Network, including my other show, The Five Tool Podcast, along with SP Streamer, Triple Play, On Campus, Kick Around, Fantasy Hockey Life, and IDP. And we had our first-year player draft mock last week with Eddie Almaguer and Michael Richards. So go back and check that out if you have your first-year player drafts coming up or are in the middle of them right now. And we got another mock draft for you today, but this one's just strictly all prospects. You know, if you're starting a dynasty league and you're looking to see, you know, what prospects you should be taking in that one near the top, this is what we're going to do today. Uh, we got, again, let's go one, two, three, four, no snake like we did last week. And the order for this one will be Shelly will lead us off, then myself, then Chris Welsh, and then Chris Clegg rounding us out at four. And we'll go right to as far as we can get. We're aiming for 50 picks, but we'll see uh, how deep we can get here in a good amount of time. But yeah, let's get right into it. Shelly, pick one. Yeah, so uh, leading off uh, this 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 draft here, um, 
I'm going to go with Jared Kalinick uh, with a first overall pick. It might be a little bit um, unconventional because, I mean, Wanda Franco has been number one here for, what, two, three years, something like that. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, with Kalinick here. I, I, I think that he's definitely going to make his debut prior to Franco. And I don't know. I just feel that Kalinick is going to be the better fantasy uh, uh, player than Franco is. Uh, there's been like, you know, some discussion about uh, Franco's launch angle and or the lack thereof of his launch angle. And I mean, I just just Kalenic just looks like the, the the dude. I mean, he's just going to be hitting home runs, you know, maybe swiping some bases. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm going to go with Kalenic here. All right, so me taking the number two draft spot just backfired in a big way. But, yeah, I agree with what Shelly said there. I would have taken Kalenic one, and spoiler alert, in my upcoming updated top prospect rankings, Kalenic will be number one over Franco. I'm finally making that switch there. Been debating it the last few updates. But, yeah, so I'll go Wander Franco here at two. The concerns are there. You know, I've heard, you know, there's been some issues with his, you know, the exit velocities not being great. And obviously, like Shelly mentioned, you know, the launch angle is a higher ground ball rate, which has actually gone up at every level thus far. But obviously, the hit tool, <clears throat> excuse me, the hit tool is, is absolutely robust. It's the best hit tool I've ever seen scouting prospects, 80 grade easily. Like it, it would be very surprising if when Wander Franco hangs up his cleats down the road, that he doesn't have at least one batting title under his belt. This is a guy that's going to hit, you know, three twenty plus. He has it basically every level thus far, and I think the power will come along at some points. I think this might be a little slower to get there than say, you know, with Jared Kelnick or like Julio Rodriguez or Marco Luciano, guys like that. But I think he still can be a you know like a twenty five homer bat enough speed to get into the teens annually. You know, he's been hitting in the middle of that Tampa Bay lineup. So, you know, the runs and RBIs will be there as well. I think he'll say it short, you know, some concern may move over to second, move over to third. We'll see. We're not sure how Tampa Bay is going to, you know, play that out. But I think he does say it short, at least initially. And he's going to be one of the, you know, he's both him and Kelnick are going to be guys we're going to be drafting in the first round of fantasy drafts within the next few years here. So I will, uh, I'll take Wander Franco here at two. I'll throw in just a comment that, as Shelly said, like it's unconventional. I'd actually uh, argue that for some reason, 2021, it's been more conventional to go against Franco for more for most people. Mm. I've been running um, this, this ADP mock draft over on Prospect One, and I've done eight drafts and trying to create an ADP system for prospects. And more than more than or just about half the time, it's not Wander Franco. So he is he is out in a lot of people's mind. And Kelnick is the person that has jumped in. So I think that's that's very on par with a lot of stuff that's happening. And both you guys are agreeing with that. Uh, my pick is incredibly uh, simple for me. I'm going to go with Julio Rodriguez. I think as everybody would know, Julio, I've been watching since he came stateside. Luckily, I'm out here in Arizona and I have 20 minutes from their uh, practice facility and. I've seen him and I've got him above Kelnick and I know that's rough and in a dynasty I would go Jared Kelnick because of the proximity but I truly do think that Julio Rodriguez is a generational talent the biggest question he's going to have is the full on development of being able to be challenged as a hitter because he's always been advanced wherever he's gone he has a plus plus power he has a great eye He's trying to run more. It's something um, I had interviewed him during the Arizona Fall League, and he said he was trying to do more. So, you know, he might be a guy that 
can chip in around 10 stolen bases or something during the season. He's a 35 plus homer power type of player. The biggest question is going to be his development and being able to be challenged as a hitter. And I think he's going to be able to do it. And I think he's a face of baseball type of player and he's far off. He's farther off from Kelnick or Franco or frankly, there's another guy I wanted to take with this pick. I'm not going to say him though. He's not going to make it back to me. Um, He's the furthest off, but you know, if you're talking about like a, a setup for a dynasty in a prospect system, I want the next big, big stud player. And I think I can wait. And he's the type of player I would wait on. So Julio Rodriguez, very easy pick for me here. Yeah, I like that. And I think I know who you're talking about. That's going to be my guy here, Spencer Torkelson here at four. Uh, man, I love Torque. And it would not surprise me at all to see him vault to the top of these rankings just a nice proximity obviously and then he's got a great floor and ceiling in three seasons out of arizona state i mean he absolutely mashed he slashed 337 463 729 slug nearly a 1200 ops with 54 bombs in 129 games dude absolutely mashes i mean the hit tool is easily above average in my opinion he's got potential double plus raw power and the floor there, I just I like the combo of floor and ceiling here. Most of anything, I mean, dude's just a big bodied power hitter. You know, not going to get much speed out of him, but he's going to have a solid batting average too. And so I think you're looking at like a true four category stud here in Torkelson, and he may even chip in a few steals here or there just to help you out. But um, he's obviously the no brainer pick at first in FYPDs, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him just keep moving up prospect boards as we see him debut this year. And he could be a quick riser to the majors as well. So very excited about Torque here at number four. Yeah, I didn't think that Torque was going to make it back to me with the uh, with the fifth pick. Um, but I'm going to go with um, Marco Luciano here. Um, yeah, he's he's very far away. Um, I mean, he's only 19. But I, I really do believe that he's going to be one of those guys that we are drafting maybe in the second and third round consistently. Um, he has... Really, really good power, uh, really big power, probably about 60, 70 grade power. And I mean, he's again, he's only 19 and I believe in that hit tool. So you get you get hit tool, you get power. I don't really think he's going to steal bases, but I don't care if you can hit and that if you can mash balls out of the park. That is a guy that I want on my dynasty uh, team. Um, again, he's probably not going to debut until what, 2023, 2024. It, yeah. But I, I I do think that he's just going to be one of these these guys that we're just going to be talking about, you know, 10 years down the line. Yeah, great pick there. That was, you know, the first five picks are my top five in my rankings. And I'll stick to my rankings here and go number six, C.J. Abrams, shortstop prospect from the San Diego Padres, who they somehow kept along with Mackenzie Gore while acquiring all these kind of top of the rotation arms. Um there's a reason why they didn't want to trade him in, in all those trades because he is going to be an absolute stud, you know, more so right now, hit and speed, you know, plus hit tool, double plus speed. The guy can absolutely fly. You know, he, he showed that in his uh, 2019 debut, still 15 bags in 34 games out in uh, mostly out in the Arizona league. But what I love about Abrams, obviously outside of the, you know, the hit tool and the speed, which are both, you know, very, very good. There's some power projection here as well. You know, he's not the biggest guy around, but there's still projection on his frame. He's listed at 6'2", 185, so definitely has some room to fill out that frame. And he, he's just showing that he can drive the ball in the air. It's just a matter of adding some bulk there. Will he be a masher? No, but do I think at peak he could run into 15 to 20 home runs? 
absolutely. And maybe even a little bit more. It all depends on how much bulk he adds, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's stuck into the low 20s, you know, in some of his top seasons. But at least, you know, 15 to 18 range to add into a, a high average, all that speed. Don't know if he stays at shortstop. Actually, probably doesn't just because he's kind of a subpar defender, maybe average at best. But they also have that guy named Fernando Tatis Jr. at shortstop who ain't moving anytime soon. So maybe he shifts over to second, maybe some center field. We'll see. But, you know, a 290 hitter with 15 home runs and 30-plus deals, that'll play anywhere. So one of the most exciting players in the game. I'll take C.J. Abrams here at picks number six. I think we moved off of a tier of players. I just point out like a, a tier of what the top easy picks are. So this is a spot. I'm even I'm even going to mess around with my board a little bit and not do exactly following my ranks because I think that's what you can start to do in this spot. And I'm going to go with Bobby Witt Jr. who was in this same. It's funny. We've picked uh, three players in what is this like our eighth pick three players that were here in 2019 out here in the Arizona, um, the AZL league which is a rookie level league. And I watched all these guys and they all were at the same spot and they were all mashing. Bobby was the only one that didn't dominate at that time. He only hit 262 when he was out here, but his power started to shine in the next spring training right before the pandemic hit. I caught him over on the backfields and he was destroying balls. As a matter of fact, the only two guys destroying balls back in practice were him and Jorge Soler. If you want perspective, he also stole nine bases when he was out here in the AZL. And I think there's a legit shot you might be able to get a Trevor Story-like return out of Bobby Witt Jr. I think um, he's got the bloodlines. He's got the talent. There's five-ish tools. I would say you probably got three locked batting average. We're going to see. I think he's a better hitter than he's given credit for. And I think he's going to steal bases. So, I mean, 30-15, maybe in the 280s, 100-100. I mean, we're talking Trevor Story. Bobby Witt Jr. is the next big, big name, and he just unfortunately has mediocre stats from an AZL to come off of. And I'd throw this out as well. He's going to get pushed. He was fighting pretty hard over on the alt sites, and there's even talk about if you see him moving to an outfield spot, it may be about the team trying to get him in there. It is not out of the realm of possibility that you could see Bobby Witt at the end of this season. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. He was older for his draft class, and I think he's going to get pushed. And he got a lot coming out of that alt site camp that I think worst case, you're going to see him mid 2022 with maybe even a slight possibility this next year. But I think he's going to come out the gates running and there's four and a half tools you can lock in. So give me Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, I love that pick. I'm a big Bobby Witt guy. And again, excited that might get to see him this year. That'd be really awesome to see him up this year with the Royals. I'm going to go actually a guy that's a Pretty similar mold to Torkelson, in my opinion. That's Andrew Vaughn in the White Sox system. Another guy I think that will definitely see debut this year. How soon? Hard to say for sure, but I do think that the Sox want to get him in that lineup. They're going to be contending. His bat could definitely go to use. Uh, the, really, the biggest difference, I mean, Torque and him are similar players in a way, but you know, you lean batting average is Vaughn. Power is Torque. But overall, I, I don't see them as that dissimilar players. I think Vaughn's like a 30 home run type bat with with a big batting average. I mean, he potential, I think he's definitely a plus hit tool, could be more than that. So wouldn't surprise me to see him hit 300 in a year. And so I'm I love Vaughn and what he has to offer here. I mean, it's 
hard to argue against what he's done. Much like Torkelson just absolutely put up video game numbers in college at Cal. He was one of the, the best college bats that we've seen in some time. And then, you know, Tork came along right after him and was just as dominant. But with Vaughn, I do think you're getting another four-category lock here because he's going to be hitting in a great lineup. He's going to give you great batting average and at least 30 home run power, in my opinion. And the frame's not very projectable is the only thing. He's completely filled out. He's he's listed at six foot two fourteen. He honestly looks a little shorter than that when you see him. But, you know, there's still, even though it's smaller frame, I still like the power, still like the hit tool. And I do think that he's a very safe pick here. And that was one of the highest floors in the minors. Yeah, uh, Andrew Vaughn. Um, I, I I I don't know. I'm picking him up kind of like later in like redraft leagues this year. I think that he is going to um, uh, get some time with the White Sox. Um, so someone has to do it. So I'm going to be the first one to take a picture. <laughs> I'm going to go with Sixto Sanchez. Um, while I do think that there are probably some other pitching prospects that have a higher ceiling, I mean, Sixto's already in the majors, and we saw what he what he could do last year. And I fully do think that that's something. Uh, I do think what we saw from him is what he's going to do. Uh, maybe not like the first couple starts where he was like striking out like nine, ten, ten guys. That's that's not his jam. I mean, his jam is more of like maybe like five to six uh, strikeouts through you know six, seven innings. But he's going to be um, he has really good command, so his the whip is not going to be too big. Um, I I do like what the Marlins have done with their pitching development, so I just really trust that. Um, that maybe we can see a little bit more. Maybe they can get a little bit more out of them. But even if they don't, this guy's going to be solid. Just as long as he can stay healthy. I mean, you could just put that on any pitcher. But um, yeah, I just I I think that uh, this guy's going to be pretty good for for a while. Yeah, it's a gr- great pick there. I, I love Sixto, and I do think the K rate can tick up with him because I kind of when I was comparing him with Dustin May, I think Sanchez has the pitch mix to to see a rise in that K rate because, you know, his two main off speeds being the his slider and his change of both of which are, are very good offering. So I don't think that K rate can take up a little bit, but yeah, he's not gonna be a, a massive strikeout guy, but uh, I'll make it back to back pitchers here and go with the guy who I still have as the number one pitching prospect in baseball, even though some of the people, you know, at their publications do not that's Mackenzie Gore from the Padres and, you know, the, the story down the stretch of last season was, oh, where's Mackenzie Gore? They could use a starter when, you know, a few guys in that rotation were either not performing well or landing on the IL and Gore still didn't get the call and Patino got the call before Gore. But and now, you know, entering 2021 after San Diego acquired basically every good pitching, you know, pitcher in baseball, there's no spot for him to start the season. But there's some injury risk in that rotation still. So I think he'll be up at some point, you know, maybe June or so. And it was, he just checks off every box you could want for that frontline starter. He's got the size, you got the agility, the pitch mix. You got four pitches that could be above average or better. You know, th- I think potentially he could have three plus offerings fastball, slider, changeup, curve is a solid fourth offering as well. Now he's shown that the command and control is there as well. Doesn't walk a whole ton of guys, strikes out a ton. Like he's always been a huge strikeout guy. So this is a guy that could be, you know, a 35 or so percent strikeout guy while keeping his walk rate under, you know, 8% or so. I think it's right in the 7% range for his minor league career. 
this checks off all those boxes. And yeah, there are some concerns about, you know, I heard there's a bit of a velocity dip at the alt site last year, but I'm not really worrying about those types of reports too, too much. And that kind of weird season we had where everybody's, you know, workload was, we, you know, off and, you know, they're, you know, how they're ramping up their work. So I'm not kind of reading too much into that. I'm still all in on Mackenzie Gore. Uh, I think, you know, he's a decent late round flyer in redraft leagues. If you have deeper benches to, to get hold of him until he's up in June or so. And long term, I still think he's he's an ace in the making. And I don't say that too often with pitching prospects. We know the, the bust rate with pitching prospects can be pretty high. But yeah, I'll, I'll take Mackenzie Gore here at pick, where are we at? Pick 10. I'm in a tough spot because there are, guys there are multiple guys and you know from a draft strategy standpoint i also am like when i wrap my head around what we're doing i keep thinking all right you know we have what do we all have three picks in the first 12 am i three different welshes or is this one team i'm combining because i think there's so many different ways you can go and i tell i'll tell you i'm very torn between three players right now and I'm going to kind of stick with the trend also it's a little bit more of my brand i suppose of just going for players that are not quite there I'm going to go with someone that's really cooled off as far as the hype goes, because I think this is about a, a half decent spot to do it. And I'm going to go with Jason Dominguez, uh, the, the super, super uber young, uber talented New York Yankees outfield prospect who, you know, gets insanely stupid comps to amazing baseball players we've seen. But as everybody wants to do, and rightfully so should, Everybody incorrectly does the whole like, all right, he hasn't played stateside and we've gone down this road before. Let's look at Maiton. It's not the same story with him. Maiton's story was there was no information. There was two years of lack of information. People were working off of two-year-old data. There is constant new information from Jason Dominguez. The biggest problem and worry that I think the community has is how much he's bulked up in size. But it's a little bit overblown. Yeah, I would even say so myself. I did this video with James, uh, James Anderson from Rotowire. We were breaking down the when he looked like Aaron Donald out there hitting. And some of it is just perspective of angle of what you look at. But you're talking about a plus runner. You've got a plus hit. You've got plus power. I mean, you want to talk about the epitome of five tool. He is the epitome of five tool. The problem is, is he has not had an at-bat stateside. And that is a legitimate problem. But guess what? We're developing a prospect system here. And you've got to take chances. I passed up two players that I know are just not going to get back to me. If one does, I'll be like super excited and I'll tell you all about it. But I'm going to go with the high, high upside of Jason Dominguez because this could be the number one overall player. And there is current information on him. He's an extremely hard worker. And it's not often you get a body type like that with that type of power. That's also a plus to potential plus plus runner. So I'm going to go with Jason Dominguez. I'm going to go with the hype. And also, guess what? He's like a commodity. It's an asset that you can have in your system as long as he holds, even if you don't particularly like him over a year, if he still holds that Yankee truth, you probably trade him for a lot of the guys we've just been talking about. So I'll go Jason Dominguez. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. I mean, the trade value on him is a big aspect of Dynasty too that we're talking about, not just owning the player for his potential in the major leagues. I mean, this prospect has a ton of value. And so Jason's a guy that you could definitely swap for a major league ready guy. If you're in win now, I mean, he could, he could get you a lot in a dynasty trade. I'm actually going to stick on brand and do something. I don't like normally doing, but I'm going to take a catcher here in Adley Rutschman. I've taken the three college bats now in a row, but it's hard to pass him up here. And again, I don't love drafting catchers in like prospect catchers, at least in dynasty, but 
Adley's special. He's different than any other catching prospect, in my opinion. And he's that talented where he could be the number one catcher for fantasy and how we look at JT Real Muto now. Like Real Muto is head and shoulders above any other catcher for redraft leagues and for dynasty leagues. And I think that is where Adley could be one day. He's that talented. He's a fantastic hitter. I think he's easily a plus hit tool. There's plenty of raw power in the profile. He easily sticks behind the plate as well. And that's the concern with a lot of these guys is a lot of them move off catcher and move to other positions. But uh, Rushman's a, pretty much a lock to stick there, in my opinion, because he's an elite defender. He plays this premium position and he's going to provide you a lot of value. And even though we may look at what Real Muto does and say he's not really worthy of being drafted, like in the top 40 picks, because he plays catcher, he is. He's that much more valuable and people value that very highly. And this is where I believe that Rutschman can get to, honestly. I mean, the hit tool, you could easily see him being a 280-plus hitter, in my opinion. And he's got 25 to 30 home run pop in the bat. And at catcher, that's going to play really well for you. And in my opinion, he's going to play a lot. Most of these catchers are playing every other day type thing. Rutschman's a guy that can play pretty regularly back there and just take one or two days off a week. So he's going to get you a ton of at-bats back there, like Real Muto does. And he's going to be extremely valuable. And so... That's why I like Rutschman. There's not, not many catchers that I want to draft that are prospects, but Rutschman is one that I will be able to go all in on, and I'm willing to take him this high. That was the one I wanted, by the way. That was the one I was debating. <laughs> was Sorry, Rutschman. Rush. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I made the debate. Yeah, I kind of figured that Rutschman wasn't going to fall to me. <laughs> um, but I'll go uh, with um, Alex Kirloff. Um I, again, just like um, Sixto, maybe there are some other prospects that – maybe have a higher ceiling, but Kirloff is going to start every day in the, in the majors for the uh, twins uh, next year. Um, he has above average hit tool and above average power. What more do you need? Uh, I guess you could say speed, but uh, that's not his game, but he could, I think he could chip in, you know, just a few steals here and there, but whether you play in an average league, whether you play in an OBP league, the dude's going to, dude's just going to hit. Hit, hit, hit. And that's really just what you want to do, uh, how you want to draft prospects. You want the hit tool is the number one tool, in my opinion. So if you if you can hit, you're going to they're going to find a space for you. And I just think that this guy is just really going to kill it uh, next year for the Twins. I totally agree. I've, I've been targeting him a lot in redrafts late because he's going near like pick 300 or so. And yeah. In his quote-unquote down year in 2019, when he was dealing with that the hand wrist injury, he still hit 283 in his down year. So that shows you how good of a hitter Alex Kirloff is. Super high floor, love love him long term. And I'm gonna go another upside guy who's now in my top 10. I think I was leading the, the hype train on him that everyone else has jumped on now as well. Noel V. Marte of the Seattle Mariners. I freaking love this guy long term. Big power, big speed. You know, the hit tool was a question, but, you know, those concerns have kind of been quieted over the last couple of years where he might not be a super high average guy, but I think he can be at least a, a 50 hit, you know, hitting like 270 to 280 in that general ballpark. We'll see. You know, it's always hard to judge the hit tool on the younger players. I think that takes a little longer to get a gauge on, but the power and the speed is there. 30 plus home run power. You know, the speed kind of has ticked down in terms of some of the reports I've heard, but still at least like a 20-plus steel guy, right around plus speed, double-plus power, raw power, can drive the ball in the air. There's a lot to like here, and still doesn't get the love he deserves because, you know, he's got 
Kelnick and Rodriguez in that same system. But I, I think the the hype will really take off. It already has taken off, but I think he'll really be considered a top ten dynasty prospect everywhere. Kind of once these two guys graduate in the next year or so, and then he's the man in that system. And he'll get that same love that these two are getting now. I think the upside is that high. I still like you know both of them more than him long term, obviously, but you know the upside with him is incredibly high. Don't, I don't just like with Abrams. Don't think he sticks at shortstop. He's a below average defender. I think he's to outgrow the spot as well. So probably third, maybe a corner outfield spot. We'll see. But you know his offensive profile is massive. So I will take Noelby Marte here at pick uh, one of my fourteen. Yeah. I want to point out that uh, the Kirilov pick, like I have him so much. I am higher I probably than all you guys. I just wanted to see where he was going to go and wait, and I would have taken him here. So such a great pick because I agree with everything Shelly said on Alex Kirilov. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, off-brand, I suppose, of what I've been doing. I'm going to go with a guy that had some major league at-bats this year. I'm actually not the, not the biggest guy on him as far as like hype train that people like to push him especially on an off year, but I'm going to go with Dylan Carlson, who still qualifies uh, prospect wise with the Cardinals who got some time last year, got sent down very much in the Joe Adele respect though. He was able to pull together a little bit later in the season. There's been some exit velocity, hard hit stuff with him. Uh, he's got a beautiful swing. He's definitely a 2020 player. He's done it in the minor leagues. I mean, coming into the, uh, the first run of his major league stint, he had a hit 292 with 26 homers and 20 stolen bases in 2019. The swing has been there. The contact has been there. I wonder if the hype was too far because I, I always felt people were taking him a little too crazy. But guess what? There's also more room now. That's a big thing for his development that you got Dexter Fowler out there. you got everyday ability for him. So I am going to go with Dylan Carlson still qualifying even off of the uh, off year. Yeah, I was curious how far Carlson would fall. It seems like people have kind of soured on him a little bit. It's kind of one of those not new shiny toys anymore. Prospect fatigue, Chris. It's yep. everybody. You guys do it. I do it. Every player out yep. here that plays fantasy, you guys salivate and lose your mind about a prospect. They come up and they have 70 at-bats and everybody crosses them off. Guess how many people are done with Joe Adele? Everybody. I think that's going to be wrong. And I, I, I'm i not yeah. saying I, you know, if I could have taken Joe Adele, I, I would have taken him here. Uh, though he's a weird one. And I mean to catch off, Chris, because he exhausted baseball's prospect eligibility, but he didn't exhaust the plate appearances. So there's an argument, I guess, that you could have him. I follow baseballs. I would have so, taken him. So do I, yeah. Okay, yeah, so we're on the same front. But yeah. yeah, just want to point that out. It's prospect fatigue. Everybody forgets. I just talked with James Anderson about this on my show. Everybody forgets that this is a, um, this is like a race. It's not a small sprint. There, there's a long race to this process, and the little snapshot of single A or the snapshot of 70 at-bats in the majors, it doesn't tell the entire story, even if you think you can see it or you can quantify a short little stint on a baseball savant page. It doesn't tell you the entire story, and people are wild about this stuff, and that's why people should take advantage of it. Maybe Carlson's one of them. I think Adele is one of them, but sorry, Chris. I agree. No, with you're you. good. Yeah. I, I think that's good for the listeners. I, I, I mean – this is the perfect year to get in a dynasty startup, in my opinion, because there are so many values. People have got valuations all over the board and have soured on the Adele's and the Carlson's, and you can get them extremely cheap right now. So, no, I think that's great for the listeners to hear. I'm going to go 16th overall. Might be a little reach, but I don't think it'll be a reach for much longer. And that's heading out to Arizona, out to a Welsh's land, and going Corbin Carroll. And I have really 
been coming on to him lately. Uh, out of the draft, obviously, he went 16th overall, one of the most polished hit tools in 2019's class. And the power, it was always the question. We know he's double-plus runner, great speed. I think there's always been that question of, well, how much power will he hit for? How much can he really grow into? He's a smaller guy, at five, listed at 5'10", 165. And so there's that question mark. But he really wowed the D-backs in all, the alternate training side and in instructs from everything I've read. I mean, he's spraying the ball all over the field. The power is developing. And I really think you're looking at a guy who get to 20 home runs. And that may be pushing it, but I think he's a 20 home run bat, could steal you 20 bases, and he's a plus hit tool, so could easily hit you 280 plus. And I think that's extremely valuable. He's got good plate discipline. He's going to get on base at a high clip as well. And I think that he's getting ready to take off this year. He's really going to explode up rankings, and I want to be ahead of the curve on that. And so I'm looking to try to get all the shares of Carol that I can right now. Yeah, Carol. Carol's a really interesting guy. Like, I'm really excited to see uh, uh, what he does, and hopefully, he can like put it all together because that's just going to be—he's going to be a super fun player. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Cabrian Hayes here. Um, I've, I've been kind of a the the, the high girl, I guess, um, um, on Hayes for a while because I I always thought that the power was going to come at some point. And it kind of has steadily. It has like progressed as he has progressed. And I mean, he really balled out, you know, in his 24 games um, in the majors this year, hitting five home runs. While I don't think that that home run to fly ball ratio is really going to stick. I, I, I believe in the guy. Um, obviously the pirates are tearing everything down to, you know, to the studs essentially. So I, I really feel bad for the guy. Cause he's just going to be the, you know, the guy for the pirates for a bit, but I don't know. I, I, I believe that he could probably hit around 280 to 285 290, And he's going to play every day because of that defense. Even if the pirates had a competitive team, he would be playing every day because that, that defense is, he's so slick over there on, on, on uh, at third base. Um, but I think he could get to, you know, double digit home runs, maybe swipe some bags. Um, and he's going to have a decent OBP great average. Um, uh, the runs and RBI is going to stink for a bit, but I don't care. I'm just going to go with a guy who can hit. And hit he can, but yeah, I think he's already the best hitter in that lineup easily because there's not a lot else in that lineup right now, but yeah, Cabron Hayes is someone I was probably the low person on, but I have, I've come around to him. I don't think he's going to be a stud, but a very good all-around asset for sure at a position that's not really as deep as it used to be at third base. So I think he's definitely a good asset there. And I will – I'll end the slide here for someone that's was peaked at number seven on my top 250, but is now down into – you know outside the top ten. But Christian Robinson, the reports weren't overly encouraging out of the alt site – Last year, a lot of you know contact issues, swing and miss issues, which have always been there, but I think they were even more prominent uh, last year at the alt site. But the power speed upside here is, is quite large. I think he can be a above average to plus power guy. Same thing with speed. He could be a 2020 or more asset down the road, but it's all going to be if he can make enough contact to do so. And that's kind of the question right now. But I always I bet on these types of guys, bet on the athletes, and he definitely is an athlete. Like you look at what he's done in the minor leagues um, so far, and obviously stats aren't everything, but he has just put up you know power, speed everywhere he's gone. So 
So I still think that he's a, a no doubt top 20 dynasty prospect, uh, even if he has slid a little bit. And then there's kind of that debate who's the better long term, you know, asset between him and Corbin Carroll. I have them back to back in my rankings right now. So it's very close. And Carroll is probably safer. But um, I think I still go Christian Robinson for the upside, unless Carroll's power, you know, kind of takes another step forward like it already has. But both very, very good long term prospects to have. And I still think Robinson's going to be, you know, a good power speed threat. Maybe if he only hits maybe 260 to 270 at best, but I, th- I think that'll allow the power and speed to play. He'll be a guy that you could be drafting like a, as a top 50 fantasy player down the road. I mean, he's still a couple years away. He's still kind of raw, not quite as advanced, but maybe a 2023 ETA or so. Uh, but I still like the uh, the all-run upside. So I will take Christian Robinson here at 18, and that'll bring us right into a break here. We'll come back on the other side with – Chris's next pick, and then we'll get as many as we can in with some quick hitting analysis. So stick with us. Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. All right. Welcome back from the break. We're 18 picks in. And just to recap here before Chris makes pick number 19, Jared Kelnick started us off with uh, picked by Shelly. And I went Wander Franco. Chris Welsh went Julio Rodriguez. And Clegg went Torkelson. And then the rest of the top 18, Marco Luciano, CJ Abrams, Bobby Witt Jr., Andrew Vaughn, Sixto Sanchez, Mackenzie Gore, Jason Dominguez, Adley Rushman, Alex Karloff, Noelvi Marte, Dylan Carlson, Corbin Carroll, Cabrian Hayes, and I just took Christian Robinson right before the break, and now we go into pick 19. Chris, who you got? Well, and if you want, you can use my God-given name, The, uh, so there's not confusion between uh, Clay here. <laughs> you can go the Welsh, or just go Welsh. Um, a comment I wanted to throw in on Robinson, too was during the Diamondbacks, obviously my team, and I went into the backfields and I had reported about how much weight Robinson had lost. He had lost an incredible amount of weight in the uh, off season. And I just a couple of weeks ago on my show, Prospect One had Alec Thomas on, who is the third in the trio of outfielders mm. for the Diamondbacks. And we talked about Christian and he had said that Robinson went on a diet and he looked really small. He had got down to like 190. And then when he came back to the alt site, He's about 240 muscle, like a football player. And he said, it's insane. So I just want to point that out when we're talking about the fatigue and we're also talking about the snapshots. Think of data that comes in negatively about a player during a pandemic at an alt site. And then also think about a player at a critical, critical developmental standpoint from low A to high A who also went with a 30 pound influx of weight. Just want to throw that out there when people start casting the stone, stones about a single player. Think of all of those things that come in and just remember the process and to remember to bet on the talent. And if you believe in the talent of Christian Robinson, it's a great pick, regardless of the salt site stuff. So I just wanted to point that out there. Um, there's a multitude of guys here that I'd like to take. I am going to just jump one more time. I'm just completely going back and forth between my mantra of like, you know, younger, not close to the majors. And I went Carlson. Well, I'm going to go with a guy that's right there. And this is another person who has not exhausted their prospect eligibility. I'm going to go with Randy Arozarena, who just completely burst on the scene, who in years prior, if you've been doing this for a while, I know all of us have. Randy Arozarena was someone who's actually kind of high on my list multiple, multiple years ago with the Cardinals because he had a high-end hit tool. And Arozarena 
completely burst on during the pandemic in the short season and what he did, which is so important to me, not only like the hard hit stuff, not only being a five tool player, uh, you know, everyone knows the chicken and rice and building the muscle. That was really key to him. You know, he's, he's actually like, think of like a Corbin Carroll type of player. That's kind of who he was before. And he was able to build that muscle and get power that he did it in for me in a critical time. He did it on the back end of the season and he dominated in the playoffs. That says something about the fortitude of that player. And he's not sexy. There are sexy young picks. We're kind of all kind of in that space right now. And I just went from doing that early to now I've taken two players that, I mean, Rainer Rosarena has a unique type of fatigue where he wasn't anything. He burst on and people want to be like, well, he's nothing. Well, he wasn't who he was last year, but he's a really good fantasy asset. And if I'm building a team of, you know, some high upside volatility, I'm also getting some floor and guys like Carlson and Rosarena that are there. So I'm going to go with Randy Rosarena, skipping some of the uh, pretty, pretty shiny toys that are standing out there. All right, so I'm going to go back to the first base well with Tristan Casas. I uh, spent a good bit of time watching him. He spent pretty much all of 2019 down here in Greenville, South Carolina with the drive, the Red Sox, a low A team. So I got to see him quite a bit. And this is just, he's a mammoth dude. I mean, he's listed at 6'4", 240. Big boy, just towers among every other player on the team. Uh, he, that year he did he hit 19 home runs and 493 plate appearances. I think there's more power to that. He's got very good plate discipline, walks at a high rate. I think the hit tool is developing as well. And so I think, again, you're looking at a guy who's at least an average hitter, if not potential above average here. And he can just mash to all parts of the field. Got great pull power from the left side. He's going to play very well, I think, in Fenway. And he's going to hit a lot of bombs out there. He can also hit a lot of doubles out there in the gaps. It's just kind of made well for him. That park is going to play very well. And I think even though he's only had two games in high, I think he could be a quick mover. I'm not sure where he'll start, but it would not surprise me to see him up as early as 2022. Still young. He just turned 21. But I like all the skill set here. Again, not going to be a five-tool guy. He's not going to run at all. But the power is legit. I think the hit tool is continuing to develop and be very solid. There's a, At the alt site, there's a story. I know Eric's told it on a previous pod about how Casas was drilled by a pitch by Tanner Houck, and then he refused to take first base. Next pitch, he just absolutely mashed this home run. You know, it's ba- just a fun boss story. mode right there. Like that's yeah. boss mode. That's badass. Right. So that's you know that's just Casas. He's he's a monster, and you know he he matured a lot at the alt site according to a lot of reports, just murdering baseballs. So I think that this is a fair spot for him. Wouldn't surprise me to see him kind of make a little jump over the next year or so in rankings but no i like like the value here on casas yeah kind of shame on you for taking a taking casas right before two red sox fans what is up with jeez that that stone cold right there i had had the same thought shelly i was like god chris has got a set on him from making that pick right there but it doesn't surprise me i was like there's no way that i was like chris or shelly are are taking casas here so i knew he, he wouldn't get to me but yeah bold move chris bold move yeah um, I'm going to go with another guy that I'm, I, I'm really excited to see, uh, this year, uh, Brennan Davis outfielder for the Cubs. Um, he's six, four, but uh, he, if you just like look at pictures of him, he is, he's, he is big frame, just built really, really, really nicely. I mean, he's got the, I think that if you look at his stats, right, he, 
again, they, they come off the page, but I do think that he could perform better than what he, what he showed because in 2019 he did, I think he was battling like a wrist injury or some type of injury, finger injury. But I think uh, he is absolutely going to explode this upcoming season. Uh, He still has uh, some work to do uh, with his, with his hit tool, but I do think it could be average, but he has above average power and he also has uh, speed that he, so I think he could stick in center. Um, but if you get a power speed kind of guy um, for the Cubs who uh, who uh, in their outfield, they might have some spots opening up kind of soon because apparently they're poor um, and they don't want to pay anybody. Uh, but anyway, uh, Davis, um, yeah, keep him on your radar. Um, I think he's really going to blow up next year. Yeah, great pick. Davis is one of the higher upside prospects in all of baseball. I'm going to go back to the pitching side of things and someone that's also built very well and very big guy, Nate Pearson of the Blue Jays. And kind of, you know, going back to Welsh's point here about that small sample size, I kind of made this point in an article a few weeks back with the all kind of like the rookie pitchers this year, where, you know, Ian Anderson and Sixto are the two that are getting drafted, you know, right around pick 100, give or take 20 spots or so. And then all the other guys like the Nate Pearsons, Casey Mize, Tariq Subal, Spencer Howard, the ones that didn't, you know, kind of shine in their debut last year are all going like outside of pick 200 and most of them outside 250 to 300. And all these guys are ranked pretty similarly, you know, coming into 2020 in terms of prospect ranking. So that's why I'm get all these, you know, the, the struggling rookies that you can outside of pick 250. Cause I think, you know, they, they could have pretty similar value to Anderson and Sexton, who I both like. So that's not a, a slight on them. But getting back to Pearson here, had a chance to see him a few times live back in 2019 as he was in AA New Hampshire, about two hours from where I live. So made that drive, saw three of his starts. And the guy is just a stud. Yeah, there's been some of the injury issues. He had the forearm and a strain this last year, which, you know, people kind of shy away from. But a lot of the injuries he had early on were what a fluke injury. Like the comebacker that broke his arm like those are fluke things nothing that really should be worried about long term and the arsenal is just legit you know the elite fastball can touch triple digits with ease he he was he was sitting like 97 to 99 in my looks like sitting 97 to 99 that's where people usually people top out at that range but he can just sit there easy you know it's easy gas as well um slider is i put this a 70 grade on his slider because not only you know it has the sharp two plane break not only can he bury it below the zone to get people to whiff, but he can also land that thing for strikes as well, which, and that's the reason kind of why I elevate him or that pitch, I should say to 70 grade. It's just, you know, when you can bury it below the zone and land it for strikes, that is a weapon that people just can't lay off of. If you can land it for strikes also has a curveball change up. You know, those aren't as, you know, great as the fastball slider, but at least should be average offerings, at least to offset those two. And the curveball flashes better when he's on top of it, but sometimes he kind of overthrows it and it flattens out a bit. Uh, command and control is actually pretty solid there. He's not a pinpoint specialist by any means, but definitely no issues there. The walk rate in the minor leagues was was okay. It wasn't wasn't great, but you know, like the walks per nine was two point three, so not not bad at all there. And I think he's I think he's gonna be an absolute stud, one of the higher strikeout guys in the major leagues for the next decade plus. And it should be a guy who can at least give you 150 plus innings a year as well. I'm not too concerned long term uh, with any injury issues, but yeah, love, love, love Nate Pearson here. With my pick, I'm very happy he's still here. I'm going to go with Minnesota Twins Royce Lewis, whom 
had a struggle in 2019, but uh, in the Arizona Fall League, I got a chance to do an interview. He was my first interview before the season even started up, and we chatted, and I asked him about that. Uh, weirdly asked him about it, too. There's a whole story behind that. But um, he had mentioned he had suffered an injury coming into 2019, and that took him out a little bit, and he ended up having essentially his spring training happen during the season. Take also put on top of it, he was going to advanced and double A, two really, really difficult adjustments, and he never got his feet under him from that injury. It was, took about two months to really get going. So then he comes to the Arizona Fall League in 2019, and he wins the MVP. He hits 353, had three homers, five stolen bases while playing 22 games, also played four different positions, third, second, short, and center field, created flexibility. Got a big front leg kick that is for timing with a beautiful uppercut swing that has got power there. He's five-tool ability. Obviously, first overall pick, he's obviously shown the ability to kind of be swingy as far as batting average goes, which is a worry. And it's kind of also about the timing mechanism. Like, I don't particularly love, love that big, big front leg kick, but it also helps generate power, which we've seen him do. And the multi-position eligibility it's a really great thing for him. I don't get too hung up when we're like, oh, this guy's going to be a shortstop. Maybe he'll move to second. He's a fantasy guy. He's a fantasy asset. Like if he moves around, he's in my lineup. Sure, I'd like him maybe in one spot, but guess what? It's a million shortstops. Please, Royce, go to second base. Give me that. But this is a guy that had been and continuously hit through the minor leagues. And then what happened? The biggest adjustment period time of A and double A, he struggles with an injury then he hits 353 and wins a batting title in the Arizona Fall League. I think it's great stuff. Very poised, very smart guy. He provides all of the assets you could want from a fantasy guy. I just think the leg kick turns people off, and then people are going to look at that stat page in 19 and see he hit 236. But guess what? When he hit 236, he also had 12 homers and uh, 22 stolen bases in 120 games. Give me Royce Lewis very happily here. Another case of prospect fatigue there with Lewis for sure. Uh, I'm going to go back to... This year's first-year player draft and take my number two guy, Austin Martin, here, who's another high-floor type of guy. Uh, obviously went fifth overall, Toronto. Who knows where he'll end up? He can play third. He can play short. He can play center field. You know, Toronto's got a ton of solid assets in that lineup. So when Martin is ready, it'll be curious to see where he does end up and where they end up wanting him to play. But again, like you mentioned, multi-position eligibility could be huge for him in fantasy. Uh, the high floor I mentioned, he gets – Quick bat speed, gets natural aloft, has a great approach at the plate. He's an above-average runner as well that <clears throat> can steal you bags. Easy plus hit tool there. So you're looking at a guy who's going to give you a great batting average. I think there's developing power where he can give you 20 home runs. And then the speed's there, I think, to still chip in 10 to 15 bags. And again, I just like the floor play here of what you can get in Martin. So... I like this pick. I like to see Martin. I'll, I'll be curious to see how he continues to develop, where they want him to stick. I think outfield maybe most likely. I could see him in center field, but we'll be curious to see where the Blue Jays end up wanting him. He's just a great athlete, just a solid performer at one of the highest levels of college ball. So I'll happily get him here at pick 24. Yeah, those are, those are two really, really good picks. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Lewis uh, does this year because um, I was out there for first pitch Arizona and he looked uh, really good uh, when I saw him. Um, I guess I'm going to go uh, to the well again uh, for another young outfielder. Um, I'm going to go with Riley Green. Um, 
I think it was the fifth overall pick uh, for the Tigers uh, back in 2019. Um, he went through th- three different levels. He ended up uh, finishing at um, A ball, and I, 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 I believe in the hit tool. Uh, he did struggle in those 24 games at that highest level, but again, he was just drafted, and he was a really, really, um, a really, really young hitter. Um, and I think um, prior to you know, in the before times when uh, in spring training, he was playing like, and he's hitting bombs in spring training. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I just, I really like the guy, and I do think that uh, he's going to move fast. Uh, throughout the Tiger system, uh, maybe make his debut in 2022, 20, maybe early 2023. But this guy, I think, is going to uh, um, really, really hit. Um, I don't think he's going to stick at center. He might have to move to a corner, but uh, the dude's going to hit. I love that. The before times. That's, that's a great <laughs> way to describe the world we live in now and you know the pre-COVID times of baseball, which hopefully we can get back to. Uh, I'm going to go with, you know, Chris has Austin Martin number two in his FYPD ranks, but I'll go with my number two for FYPD and Mr. Zach Veen of the Colorado Rockies. And people hear the Colorado Rockies and instantly just kind of shy away from that because, you know, what I call rock blocking you know, with how they handle their prospects. But with Veen, he's three or more years away. Like he's not on the cusp of making it. We don't have to worry about him getting blocked. Who knows? how their major league roster looks at that. And, you know, Blackman might be probably is gone by then. Who knows? That could be totally different. I just look at, at the talent and I love Veen. You, you see the, and hear the Bellinger comps, which I think are obviously very lofty, but I see them. The power is there. I think he's easily a, a plus power guy, maybe even more than that raw power. The swing is a nice uppercut swing path to it Can really drive the ball in the air with authority I think he's, you know, I'm a little higher on the hit tool than most. I see a lot of 50s thrown at his hit tool. I think he can be above average in there and hit like 280 or so to go on with all that power. And I think there's some, you know, at least average speed as well. You know, maybe he's not going to be a, a big stolen base threat, but kind of like in that Julio Rodriguez area where I think he can get to like the 8 to 10 range. I think he's kind of like a kind of a, a similar skill set to Julio Rodriguez, but just skilled back a little bit, you know, in, in all facets. But I love that offensive upside and that profile in Coors Field down the road. And I'll worry about him getting blocked when that time comes. As I said, each year started like 2024 on Veen. But all and everything you hear about him, you know, all the intangibles, the the work ethic, the baseball IQ, just the the person he is in general, it's all been positive. So that kind of gives me, you know, more confidence that he's gonna do well uh, in addition to all the tools I just mentioned. So I, I will take Zach Veen here. I'm going to continue the first year player, though. I do want to point out I was like, dang it, when Riley Green went for Shelly, because that was definitely where I wanted to go and was <laughs> debating on him. But I'm going to continue the first year player and I'm going to go Nick Gonzalez. One of my highlights of 2020 before everything broke down was going to an ASU game uh, that New Mexico State came down and I got to see. Nick Gonzalez, Spencer Torkelson, Alika Williams, Gage Workman. I mean, it's a prospect dream. It was so great. And Nick has got incredible bat speed. I mean, like over the top, like we, the term bat speed gets thrown around, I think weirdly a whole lot, but like, it's one of those guys where you see it and you're just, you go, whoa, 
whoa, huge, huge power. Um, the think the biggest question with him, this is my biggest question with him, is he dominated. The guy hit like 12 homers in a handful of games in college baseball, led the way, but he did the majority of it versus lower competition. You know, when he played against ASU, he struggled. You know, when I in the game I saw, I walked a couple times, struck out a couple times. They tried to play him at shortstop. He can run. He has huge power. He dominated the competition. I just think from a competitive level, there are still some questions with him, but I love the middle infield spot. Um, this is one of those smaller-ish guys that's just big framed and can have really, really big power. So I'm going to go with uh, Nick Gonzalez. I'm about to hurt Shelly and Eric's feelings again and go back to the Boston well for a guy that I've been high on for some time. And yeah, you know, I've got him ranked a decent bit higher than this, and that's Jeter Downs, who I have right around my 20th overall prospect, so I'm happy he fell to me. Sorry to hurt you guys' feelings, you know, but... Let me just cut in here real quick. We have two exciting prospects in our system right now. You may, maybe you could say Bobby Dahlbeck's exciting, Jake Groom if he actually pans out, but those are the two gems of our system, and you're going to take both, not let Shelly or I get either. You know... He, Chris, you're, you're in the doghouse, bud. You're in the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> Y'all let him fall, man. You, I, you'll you'll be in the doghouse with, with Soto and Arcello. You'll be in the doghouse with them. <laughs> I've got them ranked higher than I've got them, so you had to know it was coming. Er, Fine. Eric put, in our private chat, Eric actually put he was going to snipe me on downs just, just to do it to me. I knew you were going to take him. I almost took downs there, even though he's a little bit further down my rankings, but I was like, Chris is going to take downs here, so I was like, I want to snipe you, but. Yeah, so I can't let him fall any further. Downs doesn't do anything like he doesn't have any extremely loud tools. He doesn't post like these insane exit velocities. He's not the fastest runner by any means, but the dude just gets the job done consistently. He lifts the ball very well while he doesn't like absolutely mash. Like he's got 20 home run power and potential for more. In my opinion, he was, he was ripping some bombs in the alt side this year, which was fun to watch. You know, the Red Sox actually put out a good bit of their stuff, which was encouraging and a lot of fun to see. Downs just has a great field to hit. I, even though he, I mentioned he's not the fastest runner by any means, but he's very efficient on the base paths. His minor leagues career, he's stolen 69 bags, only been caught 23 times. And so he's not going to blow you away with his speed, but the dude's a great base stealer in general. And I think that does translate over. Don't really see him being like a 20 steal guy, even though we've seen him in the minor leagues. He stole 37 one year and 24 in 2019. But I think that he still settles in somewhere between like 12 and 15 stolen bases a year, which is extremely good. The hit tool's there. He's well-rounded. He's going to give you enough pop. He's probably going to hit a ton of doubles off the, the green monster out there in left field. And he's going to be up soon. I don't see why he's not up by midseason. There's nobody really blocking him at second base. And he's going to come up. You know, he could even play some short if Xander's sitting some days. So he could have multi-position eligibility, but – Getting this kind of guy at second base is pretty big for me. Like you mentioned with Nick Gonzalez there, I mean, second base is kind of a, a dry wasteland. And so when you get a guy that can hit for power, steal bags, and hit for solid average, it's going to help you a ton. <clears throat> so I'm happy with Jeter Downs here. Again, I mentioned I've got him ranked right around number 20 overall for me. So he fell a little bit for me, and I'll gladly take him. Yeah, I have nothing to say to you. Um, <laughs> um, I'm – with the 29th overall pick, I'm gonna go with a uh, one of my one of the pitching prospects, um, kind of in the lower levels that I'm really excited to see uh, next year, and I really think that he's going to just really rise up ranks. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, 
Um, he's a 21 year old lefty um, in Baltimore system. And the dude, I, I, I'm just such a huge fan of him. Um, he has a fastball slider, curveball change up. And I think that he's working on a cutter. I don't know, but he, there was one pitch that he was working at the alt site. Um, and he's really started to put it together. Um, I was reading on baseball America. Uh, they, uh, they had an interview with Adelie Rutschman, and he was just raving about how far uh, Grayson has come uh, during uh, the alt site, uh, you know, during that time. So I really do think uh, that he's really going to just just rise up ranks uh, next year. It really stinks that he has to pitch a pitch in Candom because at Candom, because that's just, you know, just Coors East. But I, I, I am a big fan of this guy. So I'm going to go to another pitching prospect here. And before I do it, Chris, for taking two Red Sox, I am, you are, I'm auto filling in Ronnie Mauricio is your next pick. You're getting Mauricio. I don't care what you say. That's happening. But um, with my next pick, here, I'm going to go back to another pitching prospect who I'm still very high on as he's still a top five pitching prospect in all of baseball for me, even though he's fallen down some other sites rankings. That's Matt Manning, Detroit Tigers. I still like him the most out of that big, you know, the three-headed pitching monster they have there with Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal. I saw Manning live uh, in 2019. I uh, drove three and a half hours to do so down to Hartford, Connecticut. Saw him and Mize pitch back-to-back, and he impressed me more than Mize. And, yeah, that was just one start each, but that's kind of backed up what I've seen on video. Obviously, with Manning, the plus fastball hits mid-90s, can get up 97, 98 or so. Uh, with good riding life on it. Big, big hammer curveball, easy plus curveball, his mean out pitch. And you know, with him, what made him go from you know a very good pitching prospect with upside to one of the most elite pitching prospects in the game was the you know improved fastball command that he showed in 2019, cut the walk rate down, and the changeup has improved. There's still some work to be done with that changeup, but it flashed above average to plus, good fade, good drop good velocity separation from the fastball. He's kind of throwing it down the mid 80s, so a good 10 or so miles per hour of velocity separation there. Has the makings of an above average third offering. Like I said, he still needs to refine it more. You know, there's the the arm issue at the end of last year at the alt site. So people are kind of a little bit scared right now, but I'm still all in. You know, I don't see any long-term issues here. I think he's got a number two starter upside with a lot of strikeout potential. Could be a 200 plus strikeout guy, even if he's only pitching like 160 to 170 innings or so. Especially if that changeup continues to and makes you know strides there and gets that to an above average third offering to complement that fastball and curveball. You know, I think that upside is really really high with Matt Manning, and I would take him over Casey Mize and Trick Scooble, who I both like as well. Uh, so very happy to get Matt Manning here as my third pitching prospect in this draft. I'm going to go with a 17-year-old outfielder who in a couple of weeks is going to turn 18 and like the buzz is coming off a little bit. But I'm going to go with Eric Pena with the Kansas City Royals. And Pena has all of the accolades that you would give to Brendan Davis. He's just younger. He's an advanced body. He was at the alt site. I mean, think about that. An international guy who was at Kaufman last year working with Bobby Witt, working on the alt site. He's already out here in surprise, right down the street, right over there, right over there, uh, right down the street working at the stadium. He's already been sharing Instagram photos of it. He's got a great combo. Doubles power was already there. Cross, were you, was it you that was with me? Was it you, me, and uh, Matt Thompson, or was that Blessing? I don't remember. Where was this? 
during the Arizona Fall League. It must have been blessing. Yeah, no, it, it was blessing. I overslept my alarm and missed it. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> Matt Thompson and Chris Blessing are I was sitting. So pit- I was so pissed, too. I woke and up I and think I was we were like, texting you. We were like texting you. We're like, look at this because we're out. It's like the final AZL game. Bobby Witt's there and Eric Pena is there here. And he and I got a video of it, and it, you know everyone was excited because he just crushes this double. Crushes. I mean, he was the highlight of it. There, there is some speed. I know that people. There's some questions about it as he's getting older. I think there's going to be speed in there. Maybe ten to fifteen. Just depends what the Royals want to do with him. There's a real bat as a 17 year old competitively in what he did. There's real power, and he's an excitable. T- he's a no brainer top 30 bet as a not even 18 year old. And he's going to play his 18 year old season, having already had two instructs and an alt site behind him. So give me Eric Pena. Yeah. I like that pick a lot. I'm kind of going to stay on brand for me with my guys and go Brandon Marsh, who I feel like is very underrated. Honestly, he kind of got the overshadowed by Joe Adele and one, the lack of power in game has kind of hurt him a little bit. But the reports have been pretty stellar about his power coming around. We're looking at a plus athlete. Dude was a D1 wide receiver recruit out of high school. Like, so he could have been a, a college football player, like at a high level. He was that good of an athlete. You know, instead, he decided to pass that up. He got drafted second round in the 2016 draft by the Angels, pretty close to me here from Buford, Georgia. And I mentioned just a pure athlete here. The dude's a plus hitter. You know, he's got solid developing power. The speed is excellent. Like he's pretty much, I feel like a lot to steal you 15 to 20 bags. He'd give you a 275 or better average. And I do think the power is coming around. Like we even saw that in the second half of 2019. And he, he was pretty, I would say he didn't have much power to begin 2019, but those final several months of the year, it was finally coming around. And even though he only hit seven home runs in 2019, majority of those were over the last two months of the season. And then you even see it in the AZL in 2019 where he slashed 328, 387, 522, and he hit two bombs there. Also stole four bags, which was pretty encouraging signs from him. And I think this is finally the year where he can put it all together and really break out. And he's free from that Joe Adele shadow there in that system. Like he's the angels next guy. Uh, And so I, I really think Marsh takes off and, Though every every report out of the alt side and instructs was very very solid on him, so I think that this will be a big year of development for him, and even wouldn't surprise me to see him debut at some point in twenty twenty one. Yeah, those are all really good picks, um, but I'm going to go with a guy who actually I I do think is going to uh, make his de- major league debut uh, ahead of Marsh, um, Trevor Larnick. Um, he's a twenty three; he'll be twenty four. Uh, at the start of the season, um, outfielder for the for the Twins. I I really like this guy. I mean, Kirilov, I, I I like as well. Obviously, I picked him before Trevor, but I think Trevor might be. I don't know. He's definitely better in like an OBP league. This dude is really patient. He he does have a little bit of swing and miss, but I think it's because he gets into deeper counts. So then you know you know who gets in like two two counts, three two counts, and then he strikes out. But I, I believe in his ability to hit uh, hit the ball and know what pitches to hit. Um, I, I think that he could be an above-average hitter with above-average power. I don't know if you're going to get – yeah, you're probably not going to get too many speeds uh, – speed, uh, too many uh, stolen bases, maybe one, two, something like that. 
but that's okay. You could get, you could draft other players to do that, but you want hitters. And this guy, I, again, like I said, I think he's going to make his debut this year. Uh, this is a guy that you don't hear too much about. I don't know why, but um, I, I think he's really going to kill it this year. Snipe job, Shelly. You just snipe me there on Larnick. Uh, I think he doesn't get the recognition he deserves because kind of like with Marsh, uh, Marsh was overshadowed by Joe Adele. You know, same thing with Larnick, you know, Royce Lewis and Alex Kirloff in that system. I think Larnick is just as good as Kirloff, or at least right there with him, maybe just like a tick below. But one of the most underrated prospects in all of baseball, in my opinion, who I was going to go with here. So I have to do a quick shift, and I'll go. The guy is very much different than uh, Trevor Larnick. I'll go Vidal Bruan of the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, middle infield prospect, probably plays second base long term. You know, he is another hit speed dynamo where I think he's going to be, he's a plus hitter, double plus speed. And the approach is very solid as well. He's almost struck out as much as he's uh, as uh, as, walked as much as he struck out in the minor leagues. Walk rate is a little over 10% and the K rate is only a a tick above that. So very hard guy to strike out, gets on base. It's a 377 OBP in the minors, 294 average. I think, now, that's a good expectation for what he could do, 280 to 290, maybe even 300 in that range, high end. And the majors with a good OBP as well, 30-plus steal guy. Now, this guy just absolutely flies. In the last two years, he's combined for 103 steals in 221 games. Just to give you an idea of how quick this guy is. Saw him out in the years on a fall league uh, where he, he had a triple off the top of the wall, and I clocked him at, I think it was 11.4 from home to third, and that was with him look kind of slowing down a touch around second base to look back in the right field to see how the play was developing. So that probably probably added a couple attempts there. So probably right around 11, home to third. Super fast guy. I think there is some power projection here. Not a lot, but I think he can get into kind of 10 to 12 range, maybe 15 at peak um, if he adds more bulk. But he'll never be a big power guy, but he won't be a zero. He's not going to be like – a Nick Madrigal or Xavier Edwards type. There's a little bit more power projection here. I think he's tailor-made for the top of the order. He'll be hitting probably right in front of Wander Franco long-term. They're both kind of ETs are similar. He had 55 games at double-A in 2019. So I think he's another guy that could debut later this season. I'm not looking at him for redraft because we know how Tampa Bay handles you know their players. But long-term, love the hit tool, love the approach, love the speed, and a little bit of pop. And he's a guy that's going to be – very valuable fantasy asset. So I'll take uh, Vidal Brujan here. I pick where we at 36, I think 38, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with another outfielder and I'm going to uh, go with the guy that their system usually likes to push him, but there's really no need to. And I'm going to go with Drew Waters, a uh, 22 year old, six foot two buck 90, uh, pretty explosive outfielder with an explosive bat where the power just hasn't developed. Steal some bases, hit 309 in 2019, hit 293 the year before that. Hasn't gotten into the double-digit power, so I think a lot of people are still very questionable on where his bat's going to go. And I think that's it's so funny because it seems to be a constant with Braves outfielders. If you're not named Acuna, same thing was done with Pache. But Waters has got some of actually that very visible explosiveness, like Nick Gonzalez. And I think he's a five-tool player. He's an athletic guy. Could be a big piece of trade bait if you think about the need this team has. If they've got Ozuna, Pache, and Acuna, what do they need? He could be a big centerpiece and go to another organization where I think he would play 
immediately. He could. He hit AAA in 2019, so he's ready to go at only 22 years old. And I'm going to go uh, Drew Waters, Atlanta Braves, and I've got some tricky stuff I'm waiting to see if you guys do. <laughs> yeah, I like that pick. Obviously, as a Braves fan, I wouldn't be surprised to see them move Waters at all, get us something, you know, help with the Major League Club right now. I'm going to go with a pitcher. I think my first pitcher here who's had a little prospect fatigue after – Kind of got roughed up in 17 innings with the Padres this year. He went on the move to Tampa Bay, and that's Luis Patino, who was just absolutely stellar throughout his minor league career. He had two, three, five ERA in three minor league seasons and 234 innings pitched. I th- it seems like everybody's just soured on him since, you know, one, he was traded, but Tampa Bay obviously liked him enough to move Snell for him. And there's a reason for that. I mean, his changeup is absolutely elite i mean just killer the slider had a 47.8% whiff rate on it last year it's got some good stuff his fastball gets up to nearly 97 i have slight concerns with what the rays will do with him like will they make him like a three inning type of guy i certainly hope not but his his mlb debut last year was was less than stellar i mentioned he had a 519 era and a 185 whip so i think some people have really soured a little bit so it's a great time to buy and I think he's still got all the stuff to succeed. I hope that the Rays will allow him to develop as a normal starter because I think he's more than capable of doing that. Just the question of what did they want to do with him? But the talent's definitely there, no questions asked. And I think he's more than capable of pitching as a starter this year for him. I don't think he will. I think he'll start down probably in AAA, give him some time to develop. He's got to rely on the fastball a little less if he does want to succeed as a starter. We saw him pump that pretty heavily last year, but – there's no doubt in my mind between the fastball changeup and slider. He's more than capable of being a starter long-term. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what uh, Tampa does with with Patino. Um, I just remember going to the uh, Futures game in Cleveland and seeing him. Uh, I think he was like just one inning and just like – I think he struck out Joe Adele and just even before the ump, you know, called that third strike, like he was already strutting off the mound. It was, it was just – it was great. Um with my last pick here, um, I'm going to go with a guy who we haven't really seen, even though he was drafted um, in 2018. Um, I'm going to go with third baseman Jordan Groshans of the Blue Jays. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this guy. Um, I, again, like this is this this guy has above average power, like 60 grade, 70 grade power. Um, I I don't know how well the hit tool is going to be. Um, so it's it's usually not. Groshans is usually like not usually the player that I typically draft because I typically go for Hintel, but I don't know. I I I am super high on this guy. Um, maybe you know if he plays third base, maybe he could. I, I I don't know. I just I believe in the power. There was some injury concerns uh, with his his foot, uh, which caused him to miss some time back in 2019. Uh, again, he is a high uh, a drafted out of high school and he hasn't really played much now he's 21 um hopefully people aren't like down on him because of that um i i'm still high um on him and i think that he can move fast uh throughout uh tampa's um org uh maybe make his debut in 2022 um maybe probably 2023 but even so this guy i think is going to be a uh a power hitting machine I love Groshans. He was in consideration for this pick here, my last pick. I can go a few different ways. I have three in my rankings that are kind of all clustered together. 
could go Garrett Mitchell here, but we've talked a lot about him on this podcast, so I won't go him. Could go Ian Anderson, who I really like and saw make strides of that command and control in 2020. So I really like him long-term, but I'll go a, a player that both Welsh and I have been very high on for the last few years. That's Alec Thomas, the, you know, quote unquote third outfielder in that Arizona trio. And because he's the third outfielder and everyone's really kind of raving about Christian Robinson and Corbin Carroll, he gets kind of underrated a bit. He's kind of like, you know, how uh, Chris was talking about Jeter Downs doesn't have like that one loud tool. Alec Thomas is kind of the same way, though. He's very, very good across the board. He's an above average to plus hitter. He's at 312 so far over parts of two seasons, uh, totaling 170 games. Got up to the high A California League at the end of 2019. A very, very advanced back. Doesn't strike out a lot. Can work the count. Walk rate's a tick under 10% for his career thus far. Uh, 385 OBP. You know, he's a plus speed guy as well. I think he can settle in mid 20s, you know, maybe even push 30 at peak, but definitely around 25 steals or so annually to go with that higher average and OBP. And with him, the power kind of lags behind, but you know, he's, only, he's only got 12 home runs so far in 170 games with a 455 slug. But I think there's at least, I think he could push fringe average power. Like he can really drive the ball. He's kind of more of like the line drive variety right now than kind of driving it in the air for over the fence pop. But, you know, the bloodlines are there. You know, his father was a, uh, a coach with the Chicago White Sox. So I, I just, I like to bet on these guys. He's kind of second generation guys with that bloodline. And I, th- I think the power will develop a bit more to get up to, you know, 15 to 18 range to go with the, the good speed, the good average, the good OBP. So he's never going to be anybody that's going to wow, you know, with the stats, but it's really, really good across the board, kind of a, a low-key five-cat contributor um, that's going to be up probably 2022, late, mid to late 2022. Uh, he could be up to double-A this year, I think. So uh, really, really good all-around player here now, Thomas, for my last pick. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I love that pick. If anyone wants to hear from him, two episodes ago on my show, uh, we talked about a lot of this stuff, and he was disappointed he didn't get the um, – non-roster invitee to camp he's a he, he's a dude he's an absolute dude and i'm a, I'm a big fan of him and you can, people can go listen he was one of two guys that was on my list and i get to, and i'm happy about this i get to successfully not take a picture in this whatsoever which is exactly how i would do it not i'm not taking a picture in the top 40 is what i love to do it's my favorite thing in the world and i'm going to go with a very controversial player because he's not doesn't look like a prospect and he just came over but technically he qualifies and we have to rank him, though James has decided not to rank him, which I can appreciate. But technically, he still falls along the lines of these first year players. I mean, you tell me if I can't use him or not, but I'm going to go with Hassan Kim. Is Hassan Kim on the board? Go right ahead. Okay. I, I, I ranked him. So go ahead. That's that's what I'm doing. And I got Hassan <laughs> Kim higher than we've taken him here. And I'm the lone I feel like I'm the lone guy. And that's totally OK. But I wanted to see if anyone would um, go there. And something I did in this, if anybody who like follows my stuff is like I didn't follow my ranks completely because I wanted to see as I think a lot of people should do from time to time, see if I can use it to my advantage. Can I, if I know the room, can this guy fall here? Didn't work out all the way. I was hoping Kirloff would fall back to me. That backfired, but Hassan Kim is very controversial because as most people will tell you, it is the KBO factor. The KBO factor of coming over is the big scare and it gets quantified to maybe like a double A or something like that. Okay. Maybe that's the case, but Austin Kim was also absolutely dominant. 30, 20 guy, 
three, just under a three, four, five slash. I want to point out three ninety seven OBP. He walked more than he struck out. He the year before was almost a twenty thirty guy. So he's had power. He's had speed. He's had batting average. Walks more than he strikes out. Three, four, five plus a great defender. The only question is, is what is he going to do against major league hitters? And that's a that's a big question. Totally is. It's fair. Is he going to be able to hit off-speed stuff? Is he going to be able to get challenged? This also isn't a 31-year-old that's coming over after 12 years. He's 25 years old, one of the best players there. And I don't think he has much less risk than a lot of the other first-year players that we talked about in Austin Martin and even Nick Gonzalez, who I took over. I strategically did that to see if this would happen. I'm going to go with Hassan Kim. I get I get it now. I get Padres offense. Maybe it doesn't work out, but I know some have him in the eighties. I think this 40, 50 spot is just so ideal for a guy. You get production. in now he completely dominated in his league and he's on a fantastic team. If he can show 80 to 85% of what he did over there, it's going to be great. So I'm going to go with Hassan Kim. Yeah, I like that. I think it's a pretty sweet spot to get him. I'm going to wrap this thing up with a guy who I think is going to really surprise people this year. Who Ronnie Mauricio. <laughs> the reports out of the alt site were, were very good on this guy. And that's J.J. Blade with the Marlins. We know him from Vandy, who had a absolutely dominant junior year where he matched 27 home runs in 71 games, just killed it. But the reports out of the alt site and instructs were that he showed up in excellent shape. He dropped 15 pounds, lost no power at all, better athlete. He was faster. He was better in the outfield. He's just a pure hitter. He's got that power, as we've seen him show. And if that speed's ticking up a little bit, then you kind of get intriguing. He's never going to be a big steals guy, I don't think. But 25, 30 home runs is not the question here. 270, 275 hitter with good OBP numbers because he's very patient, got a good approach at the plate. You know, if he chips in five steals, he's only doing you a favor. But I think with the lost minor league season last year, there's a lot of guys that made significant strides, and we just didn't see it and weren't ready for it, and we're going to be surprised this year. And I think Blade will be one of those guys. So I'm very excited to see what he looks like and how he's performing to start 2021, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him be look like an absolute stud and just come up. He could definitely debut this year and be in a, a system with a lot of outfielders. Blade is head and shoulders above the rest of them, in my opinion. Yep, totally agree with that. And that's going to wrap us up. Hope this was both enjoyable, fun, and useful for everybody listening. You know, well, Shelly, thank you both so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. If you are not following Welsh and Shelly, first off, shame on you. Second off, go do that now. You can find Welsh at Is It The Welsh. Shelly is at Shelly V underscore 643. Chris is at Roto Clay. I am at Aircross04. We will post the full results of this on our Twitter page, as we always do with these types of mock drafts or rankings that we do probably Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, we'll be back next week with some redraft talk for with uh, who you should be targeting in redraft leagues for prospects. So come back next week and join us then. But until then, everyone take care.
The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? 